Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bharti, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique complementary system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi everyone and welcome to this two-part special homeopathy health show focusing on the work at the Tirta Osada clinic in Bali. I'm your host, Atik Ahmad Bhatti. My guest for part one of this two-part special is Jock Gadei Kathyasa, who is the founder of the Tirta Osada clinic, who is joining me today all the way from Bali, Indonesia. Jock is a Balinese-Australian homeopath, health scientist and alchemical explorer. He is the creator of the transformational alchemy healing method, the Pranafast therapeutic breathing method, and, as mentioned, founder of the Tirtha Osada Clinic, helping the people of Bali and further afield with all their health needs. Jock, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Atik. It's an honour and a privilege to be with you. There's so much to talk about, uh, but I would like to start with the fact that you were actually practicing as a homeopath in Australia before setting up the clinic in Bali itself. So do share how you actually got into homeopathy. Okay, well, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, this goes, takes us back to the birth of my oldest son in 2002, um, where I had um developed an interest in Indonesian herbal medicine, Ayurveda, and also nutrition. So I'd actually enrolled in a nutrition course, just a, uh, this was before the time of online, it was actual correspondence. You remember correspondence studying, they send you all the books and the, you know, the, the papers and everything. It was, it was great. And so I'd, I'd signed up for that. And then I I did that. Uh, I was into organic farming I, at the time. I was actually working in hotel management, running the helping to run the family business, and I had gone to see a naturopath. I was doing martial arts. I was doing yoga. I was starting to, you know, take care of myself after a few years of hedonism in the hospitality industry. And my my son was born, and and I remember taking him along to the to the doctor for his first checkup and I thought you know I, I really don't have much faith in this medical system uh, <laughs> in Indonesia um, you know I, I sort of you know no offense to the doctor I don't even remember his name but he didn't really seem to care what was happening and I, he saw us for 15 minutes and or maybe it was 10 minutes and then out out you go with with a bag of pills and I was like I can't give this to my to my son. So um, I ended up enrolling in the naturopathic course, which was with the same college that I was studying 
nutrition through, which was the Australasian College of Natural Therapies in Sydney. And I applied for a, a Bachelor of Health Science naturopathic degree, which they did back then, and ended up moving there, moving back to Sydney. So I'd, I'd, I'd spent, you know, my formative years, all of my schooling in Sydney. So um, I was very familiar with it and went back to school. And uh, through, I actually, at the time, I didn't even know what homeopathy was, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I enrolled in the naturopathic course. And, and during that first, the first few months, I think my son, Adi, became quite sick with bronchitis and I realized there weren't any herbs or um, supplements you could really give to an infant. So ironically, my herbal medicine lecturer said, take him along to see a homeopath. And okay. I was like, oh, this is a bit funny. This is a bit strange. What's this about? And um, so I did and and had a, a miraculous result, you know. So I, I came into homeopathy as a bit of a doubting Thomas Um but to be honest with you, during the first few lectures when they explained what homeopathy was, my lecturer at the time, I really understood what homeopathy was from my background in Balinese, in the Balinese traditions. Hmm. And the, you know, we call it the Agama Tirta, which is the religion of water. Right. And the, I had been part of many pilgrimages. Uh, to basically collect holy water from many, many different parts throughout Bali and Indonesia uh, as part of some large ceremonies that my family are, are part of, you know, overseeing these very large-scale religious ceremonies in Bali. So uh, every source of water has a memory and it has a, a particular spiritual significance. And... Um, we would sometimes collect up to, you know, 20, 25 different holy waters, mix them all together and use this as and consecrate it and then bless the village and the, the people. And, you know, uh, it was it was it was both healing and harmonizing for the people and for the land. So when when it, homeopathy was explained, I, I sort of immediately understood what it was all about through that kind of cultural and, and spiritual background and upbringing that I had and um yeah I, I took idea along and and you know terrible cough and you know a few a few goes a few tries from the homeopath the last try I said this is the last this is the last straw I'll give him one more chance if he doesn't do it I'm going to get the antibiotics right and um and he coughed and he vomited and all the mucus came out he had a little fever went to sleep woke up the next morning as right as rain so um and the remedy was hepasolf so <laughs> yeah that was that was the start and and i actually switched over from naturopathy to focus exclusively on homeopathic medicine but i you know continued the bachelor of health science degree so yeah um that's a little snippet into how i got into homeopathy being brought up in a paradigm of of basically symptom suppression you know it it does require a leap of faith but there's also an intuitive knowing when that happens sometimes as a mean especially as a parent i think it's a bit different as a you know, observing it on your your own child you sort of th there's sometimes just an instinctive knowing that that's the right thing mm. you know that, that yeah 
it feels right. It felt right for some reason. And, um, and yeah, I mean, as homeopaths, we sort of, we teach that, don't we, you know, to to our, to our patients and clients. Yeah. It's about empowerment at the end of the day, isn't it? It's about most definitely having that empowerment to, uh, and removing that fear because then diseases are not something to fear. They're no. a process which you have to go through and you have to take remedies and and whatever it is. And we're going to talk about some of the amazing work you're doing alongside homeopathy. And mm. it's like a complete health unit and, and off you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The realization, you know, we are not taught in school that the body can heal itself anymore, but it's actually a universal truth. Before you moved to Bali, though, how was uh, your practice? You were practicing after your studies in Australia itself? Yeah, that's right. So I I went um, straight from, I, I wanted to make sure I went straight into practice uh, because I think, you know, one of the, a lot of people graduate in something like homeopathy or naturopathy and they sort of hold back for a little while and it's very hard to get into practice once once you hold back for a while. You've got to, you know, you come out and, and you continue your education for the next, well, for the rest of your, your life, basically. But that next five years, I think, is the first five years of practice is, is um, you know, very heavily uh, coloured by what we learn and also by, by connecting with mentors and uh colleagues so i went into practice in sydney um in 2007 i became a a member of the um australian homeopathic association and i served on the new south wales committee i wanted to immerse myself in homeopathy from every level i possibly could and i I straight straight away signed up for that and it's one of the best things i did and i still have friends and colleagues there and I went into, uh, funnily enough, I'd, I'd lost my job. I was a tea master while I started, um, while I was studying homeopathy, I, I, um, I joined a tea company and went from a shop assistant all the way up to their, to the guy who buys and tastes their teas. And then I, the tea company sold to Coca-Cola and I lost my job immediately. So I, um, with a child and uh, a family in Sydney, it was a bit of a blow. So a friend of mine had opened a cafe, a Spanish cafe. And I, so I went there and I, I washed dishes, made coffees, waited tables, you know, with this, with this new degree. And I, you know, God works in mysterious ways, as we say. And uh, it happened that that cafe was across the road from something called the Blues Point Practice, which was run by um, an acupuncturist, Trudy Zip, wonderful practitioner who's still in practice. And she would come across and get her salad sandwiches every day. And she found out I was a, I just graduated. And, and, and she sort of looked at me and she said, do you, want, do you want to come and work in my practice? And I was like, yeah, I, I would. You know, <laughs> she said, oh, I'll just give you one day a week. I've got a room there. And, and so I, I started my first practice there, you know, one day a week. I paid more in rent than I made in, um, uh, in fees for the first couple of years. And then I was very fortunate to see a, um, a little advertisement in one of the journals 
that the, the eminent homeopath, Peter Tomanello in Sydney, had an opening in his clinic. So I applied for that and, and, and I ended up working those two clinics. And so Peter was really what, you know, my, one of my first big mentors in, um, in homeopathy. I'm very, very grateful for all that I learned in his practice. And he introduced me first to also kinesiology and homeopathy to the gemstones. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. Um, and, uh, and I did the postgraduate course with Alistair Gray. Yeah. He, he ended up becoming also another great mentor of mine in Sydney. And um, I, I would go back to Bali every year for holidays uh, you know, sort of a month holiday. Mm. And what happened was, I mean, you know, your first few years of practice in Sydney is a pretty hard gig, you know. Australians are, yeah, natural therapies in Australia, you know, it's, it's I take my hat off to all the, the practitioners there because it's not easy. Um, well, how do you and mean? I ended up being busier treating people in Bali while I was on holiday than I was in Sydney. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, why, why do you say it was difficult in Australia? Why, why is that? The mindset? Oh, or Australia is a hard gig, you know. Homeopathy is is not light, hmm. you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's completely different to Indonesia, where 95% of the population uses natural medicine. I mean, it's, it's That's huge. a phenomenal oh, uh, yeah. percentile, that is, isn't it? It's it's huge. I mean, not just natural medicine. I mean, doctors refer people to shamans here. You know, there's a there's a, a shaman twenty four hour on staff at the public hospital. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was a completely different climate, and and I felt called, really called, actually, to come to Bali, to come home, and to establish a practice here. So in um yeah in in two thousand and nine I. I moved back here it was a it was difficult to leave sydney and to leave my practice there i, I still remember the day i needed uh, my last day i i uh, burst into tears and peter gave me a dose of ignatia i still remember that but yeah the rest is history I, I i started off just practicing out of my house and doing a lot of house calls and 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 i was pretty much busy from the get-go here hmm what um but what was the, the main focus? Was it really just to for you to be able to expand your horizons, for you to develop, as in uh, specifically moving to Bali? Or was it this uh, this huge percentile of, you know, such a large majority of the population are aware of natural therapy, natural remedies, natural naturopathy, natural medicine, homeopathy? Was that, was that, that must have been part of the decision because that's so, yeah. such fertile land, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And... And uh, I think you know it was it was really a call to come back to the roots and 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 also you know there there are hardly any homeopaths in Indonesia. Homeopathy itself, you know, herbal medicine is huge here. Chinese medicine is quite big. Uh, various form, you know, there's the the you were going to ask him about ethnobotany. You know, the, it's it's every culture in Indonesia and, and Indonesia is made up of many different cultures I mean we have 3,000 different languages here so every island has its own system of natural medicine of healing it was part of how how people survived there's no medical system that's going to take care of you so um so yeah 
that, that's the beauty, isn't it? Uh, it is. Um, it is. People become self-reliant, self-sufficient, and open-minded. It felt welcoming, actually. Coming to Indonesia was, I was welcomed, you know, here, and 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 homeopathy was was sort of a system that really slotted in very nicely with the existing systems here and also the mindset of people you see people in indonesia have a lot of faith and i think that word um i think that's, that's a very important word that's very it's a very important word you know i mean in in certain religions and spiritual traditions it's it's everything you know on the zodiac it's the last it's pisces it's the last step of the zodiac you know once you've gone through the whole hero's journey you come to the you come to faith, you know, to God consciousness, self-realization. I'm a Pisces, by the way. Are you? Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, and funnily enough, I love the month of March. I yeah. absolutely love it because because my 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 birthday or birth date falls in March. Uh-huh. And um, uh-huh. I yeah, just yeah, yeah. so for some strange reason, I, we're going off tangent slightly, but um, right. I just come alive in March. It's just so. Yeah beautiful for me i don't know those feelings i can't share them sometimes it's very difficult mm-hmm. to construct words to to share sentiments or emotions you know yes but um it's just i don't know it's just that the, like the vital force mm. comes alive you know mm. and i get mm. such a rush and a boost and life is brilliant yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i'm not saying the rest of the months I, i'm down <laughs> in the dumps don't get me wrong i mean it's just you i know and it's certainly it's nothing related to my birth date it's uh i'm well past that age of remembering when it was but it's <laughs> it's more to do with uh it's just this feeling you know you feel alive yeah. you feel you feel yeah. brilliant about things yeah the constellation of the year you know it's uh and and we all we all feel different at different times as well some of us yeah uh we were talking about faith and um you yeah. know it's fascinating yeah. jock what you're saying because as as you were actually saying that i was just thinking that it's it's so nice it's like saying um well you physically you're a manifestation of, of having achieved this anyway because you move from australia which is a very built up area to the beautiful mm. place of bali which is a totally different dynamics you yeah. know totally so it's like uh, in English, you know, you say uh, from uh, the city, you want to move to the countryside. Mm. And that's very applicable as yeah. as a metaphor for the way people think, because what you're saying is that the people of Indonesia mm. are, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the pastures are fresh, the grass is cut. People who are, who have to be self-reliant, they become actually quite objective in what they use, you know, and they will happily, they, you know, Science is not a religion here. That's the thing. And again, you know, I use that word cautiously because, you know, often we say science and we are, people automatically imply that we're talking about the reductionistic, mechanistic, material science paradigm, which is only one aspect of science, isn't it? And there's quantum mm-hmm. physics. There's the noetic science. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Rudolf Steiner coined the term spiritual science, which takes into account the physical as well as the non-physical. And so, um, yeah, in, in Indonesia, people have a deep faith in the divine, in God, firstly. Yeah. And then, and then from there, everything else is to, 
to to help you know god's will so like they're not going to swear allegiance to any particular paradigm they swear allegiance on on nothing but the divine or god and um if homeopathy works they'll use it you know and if chemical medicine works and serves them for a time they'll use it and if herbs work they'll use it so it was in a way you know i kind of an irony that it's it's actually in a more objective way which is what should really be the basis of science yeah yeah i think it's um yeah it's it's um for want of a better word it's a healthy nutrition isn't it for yeah. the mind literally yeah. because you're taking you're taking everything in moderation yeah. and you know there's some days where you may take uh, 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 maybe it may be useful to take something which is not homeopathic in other days it may be and it may be conventional medicine but it's the best and it's amalgamating everything but ultimately yeah. it goes down to the individual and the fact that they are um they're open minded you know they're willing, yeah. they're willing to do this and it's a no brainer as such as well which is very important is sort of yeah and and you know it's it's even i i love the fact that they're actually blase about it we're blase about it you know i've i've had people come in and they say oh yeah my friend referred me to you because the cancer went away after one one session with you and i'm like really and i'm like and i'm like oh wow that's and he goes yeah of course it was going to you know i was like what <laughs> they get excited about it that's normal that's why they came and they paid you for treatment you <laughs> get over yourself <laughs> so um in a way there's that sort of we we liked you know i think especially in the west you know, every every almost every cure is like oh wow this is a miracle you know amazing he was like no oh, well of course that was going to happen anyway wasn't it i get over it <laughs> you know i tell you jock it's the the beauty of it is and i see this in you as well by the way so um <laughs> I, i'm going to i'm going to big you up as such but it's the simplicity of things which actually make them more effective and res- and they resound and as a result the vibrations become uh you're able to your vibration is able to resonate with so many others yeah i agree with that definitely you know yeah what mm. uh, did you have the the idea already moving to bali about setting up the tirtha osada uh clinic or or was that something that developed later on well uh, uh, yeah when i moved here i didn't have visions of making a clinic i just wanted to practice you know in my whatever room i had in make a little clinic and just be a uh, i think especially at the beginning of of practice you know you you're just happy to have even a few patients a day and um yeah so that was already my mind hadn't gone into anything larger than that i ended up teaming up with a natural medicine collective uh that was in 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 an area called Semenyaki which is kind of a which is now sort of a beach club nightclub cool area um down near the beach and there were osteopaths you know who who became very good friends of mine Jonathan uh Lefebvre Delphine uh there were psychologists and so I joined their outfit as well so I had I had my my home gig and then i had had a couple of days down with them and that clinic ended up disbanding and i i i bought the owners out 
and I set up Tirta Usada in that clinic in 2014. So before, up until then, I'd just been in, in private practice. And, yeah, because I, I saw the, you know, the energy that's also generated when holistic practitioners of, you know, the same basic philosophy come together, you know, you get also an exponential effect. We had acupuncture, osteopathy, uh, hypnotherapy, all sorts of different interesting modalities come through. And uh, and that ran in, um, yeah, I, can, I kept that one going up until, oh, when was that? About 2018, I think. Right. Yeah. And then I moved my operate. I'd always kept my um, my Ubud practice going in in my room here, which is in the family property. And um, yeah, then I just I, I thankfully actually I closed that down not too long before COVID hit because that would have been a disaster actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, everything worked out well. But that was the springboard for creating this collective. And so, yeah, I, I've kept that going here and, and we have different modalities come through here. And it also gave me an opportunity to focus more on the lab because I love making medicines as well as prescribing them. Right. I love it. I've always been into brewing stuff up. And um, I was very lucky, actually, in my education to have we had homeopathic pharmacy as a subject. And my lecturer was... Peter Berryman, who was actually an alchemist, as well as a naturopath and a homeopath, he, uh, I, I took a liking to him, and he took a liking to me, and and he saw that I was very curious about it, and I and I think I'd um, I'd gone into my local library in, in North Sydney actually, and looked for whatever book I could find on homeopathy, mm-hmm. and the only one they had, I think they had two books in there, uh, one was like a, a sort of a home prescriber, and the other one was about and i can't remember the author or the exact title but it was basically the alchemic it was all about the al- connection with homeopathy and alchemy the tradition of alchemy and how mm. much of homeopathy actually came from that tradition mm. so i sort of devoured that book and then i i you know i I'd, I'd, I'd put a few extra questions to peter and he he explained to me the method of spagyrics spagyric extractions in alchemy in practical plant alchemy and um and got me onto the work of manfred unius he was really you know one of the authorities on he's he's passed away now but and i you know i bought his book i i kind of tried to get into it i it took me years actually to work out how to actually do it and i'm and i ended up just making my own method but um yeah that's that sort of took me into the realm of of alchemy and I, and it had always been something that I'd been curious about. So, um, and I was, yeah, I'd, I'd always looked at homeopathy as, you know, there's, there's something in this. And then I, I came across the work of, of my, uh, another wonderful homeopath who opened up a lot for me, um, from your neck of the woods, Ian Watson. Brilliant. Yes. Ian's on actually very soon. <laughs> is he really? I'll uh, say hi from me. I, will. I actually yeah. went to one of the reasons I went to England was to meet with Ian and we spent half a day together in Hampstead Heath and um, charming place. Very lovely place. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, 
uh, I wanted to say thanks to him for putting out his series on alchemy and homeopathy. So, so I, I would say really his work was the basis as well for me to make those connections between alchemy and homeopathy. Yeah. You, you mentioned spagyric and you know that yes. uh, within homeopathy now, there are a number of, um, especially in Germany, uh, manufacturers right. of spagyric homeopathic remedies. Predominantly, it's to do with the mineral content, isn't it? The ash. The uh, ash, that, that mysterious calcination process. Yeah. Yeah, really, you know, uh, as soon as I read about what is, you know, really the basis behind spagyrics, the body, the soul and the spirit. I mean, this is really what we're, what we're working Hmm. working with as practitioners anyway isn't it fascinating story you know all this now moving to bali itself which of course mm -hmm. is is very very beautiful i think you can go out to uh beautiful scenes and i can go out and see the neighbor's house so there you go hey right. put it into perspective <laughs> um, that's that's uh but that's that's the way it is but um i was going to ask you about uh, balinese medicine and also mm. something you mentioned which is ethno botany if you can be yeah. kind enough to elaborate because i think that'll be quite useful for for the listeners very interesting to know what balinese medicine is as uh, in what types of herbs or uh, it incorporates as such sure well i mean you know i might just start off with ethnobotany because it's a very i mean it's a very succinct explanation really it's mm. it's the um the botanical knowledge of a particular ethnic culture or you know ethnicity particularly related to the cultures of an area of a region so you know you have the ethnobotany of the amazon and the various tribes in the amazon you have the ethnobotany i mean indonesia is the second most biodiverse medicinally biodiverse region in the world after the amazon second only to the amazon Right. So, you know, we have the, the word ethnobotany here is extremely relevant. It, it applies to every island. And even on, on one island, you can have ethnobotanical regions and knowledge that, that, are, that differ between regions. And, and it's, it's incredibly diverse. So, yeah, ethnobotany is really the study of botany, particularly from it's not just therapeutically, it's also, you know, agriculturally and, and you know, culinary. But, yeah, through the understanding of how that has been handed down, mostly through oral traditions in a given ethnic ethnicity or culture, um, yeah, unique to a particular region. So that's that's really the kind of umbrella, I guess, succinct definition of what ethnobotany is. And, um, yeah, it really applies to what we do in Indonesia in the different regions and and bali has its own um ethnobotanical but also system you know it's not just limited to plants actually you know there's a system of healing here which we call usada mm. usada means healing basically and um there are several different classes of healers in bali so you have the the balian usada and and balian basically translates as, as seer a seer right a shaman or a seer and uh so you have you have ones who specialize when when it's balian usada they they learn their craft like we learned how to practice homeopathy or 
you learn herbal medicine or or anything. So you, it's a learned craft, and there are uh, sacred texts written in the in the traditional um, uh, on the, on the palm leaves. Actually, a little bit like in southern India, we use the same method actually for recording things that they last a very long time. They're incredible writing on palm leaves uh and um so they're called lontar lontar so the lontars are the sacred texts written in our our ancient script kawi and <clears throat> so you can learn that and it's usually handed down through families so i do come from a family who are keepers of the uh these texts oh fascinating so can have, you tell more i have uh, you know my late one of my late uncles was really one of the most famous uh, Balinese healers on the island. He passed away recently at the age of 92 and was still treating people up until the end, really up until just a few, not, not long before he passed. I call Bali a medieval society that's still operating in the modern day. You know, we have blacksmiths that still use fire. We have uh, you know, the wood carvers, the carpenters that still, you know, they'll build a whole house just by hand completely. You know, the thatches for the roofs. And I think uh, that's and important of, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The farmers, you know, we we still farm our own, you know, plant our own food, farm it. And, you know, you've got your fishermen, generations, generations, and it goes down down through the generations. You have your priests, you have all of this. So, uh, yeah, one of one of the the callings in that lineage is is uh, to be a healer. Yeah, amazing. And in your generation, are you are you the only healer? Well, I have a, an older cousin who's who also has taken that on. Yeah. Right. So I'll actually sometimes refer people to him. Jock, the work you're doing is absolutely amazing, and um, actually, I must say. A uh, very big thank you to Yagoda for yes. actually introducing us, um, which definitely. is uh, brilliant. It's a new friendship has formed as well, too, actually. Yes. So, you know, yes. that's that's just brilliant in itself. But yep. um, Thanks, Yagoda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell her after the podcast <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, now, you do so many workshops, and mm. I have heard on good authority, of course, that right. they are really phenomenal and they're very knowledgeable. So do uh, give us an idea of sort of the workshops and the retreats. Mm. And I know you do courses as well and what's involved, yeah. what you're sort of focusing on and this journey that you're taking your students on. Well, I think we, we all come to a point perhaps in our practice where, um, where we want to share something and we want to, we want to bring something to the lives of others and I went through a bit of a process with with thinking it was almost a frustration actually is I, I wish people could do this on their own so um, and in Indonesia uh, like I was saying before people have a thirst to learn this they really want to learn and so in around 2016 I you know, on the behest, I'd been pestered by many of my patients in Jakarta. They'd been saying, come on, you got to run a course for us. you got to teach us how to do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I never wanted, I had, I'd never thought about teaching, to be honest. It scared me a little bit. Mm. 
I felt a large amount of responsibility. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist sometimes. Um, and, you know, you know, you procrastinate on these things and you put it off and off and off. And I remember I went along to the lecture, to two lectures done by anthroposophists, so Waldorf Steiner teachers, because I'm also part of the founding of the first Waldorf Steiner school in Bali as well, along with uh, many, many other, well, not many, many, a couple of other parents who we all got together and, and decided to make this. Um, and I remember watching, because anthroposophy is also, I have to mention that um, it's really one of the philosophies that lies behind a lot of the work that I do and how I'm actually able to explain homeopathy to to people. Um, and I watched these teachers give lectures. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, how do I put my PowerPoint presentation together? How do I do this and that? How do I make it look schmicko? You know, like, and stood up and said, we don't use microphones and we don't use PowerPoint presentations. And they wrote it beautifully by hand on a blackboard. Right. And I felt this level of warmth in engagement. And I remembered everything I learned on those few days. And after that, I was like, I can do this now because that's actually how I want to teach. So to this day, I, I've, I think I've used a PowerPoint maybe in a couple of my lectures and they're the worst the, and they're the cop out ones. I, I don't, I often don't use them anymore. You know, people fall asleep. So all of my teaching is done mostly without uh um without microphones unless it's larger audiences um i do obviously do online so i record it as well but yeah it's all it's all done by hand and and my first one was really uh, you know and my my first and it's i still remain i just taught this uh, last week is the healing power of homeopathy and it's i i describe it as a course for anybody um, who wants to learn about homeopathy that encapsulates about one year of what I learned in university <laughs> in two days. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it is ambitious. Uh, unfortunately, the proof is in the pudding that I've continued teaching that course from 2016 until now, sometimes up to five times a year. So the, the group that I have uh, half of them drop. They're like, "No, nah, this is too much," and that's okay. But um, but it, the 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 proof is that what has happened is an entire community has grown from that of both lay people, doctors, dentists, psychologists. I mean, corporate high flyers, police, military. I got I don't know people from all walks of life in that group. It's at about four, maybe 500 people now, two WhatsApp groups, and, and everyone helps each other. I think I was inspired by um, reading the history of homeopathy in America. There's nothing more rewarding for me than to see people do that work on their own. And, and you know, and you'd be surprised that, uh, you know, I've got midwives on there. I've got, oh, my, it's, 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 an, it's a really, I've got, I've got, I got celebrities, movie stars, singers. You know, it's an it's an amazing group. Admirable achievement, indeed. I, I um, 
congratulations actually on achieving this and not because it's uh, uh and of course I, I you know the answer to what i'm going to say but not because of anything that you want in return but the fact that you've empowered so many people um yeah. and that's just a good thing there's there's not there's nothing there's nothing that's negative in that it's only positive and it only yeah. leads to more positivity more proactivity um and also being um what's the word being grateful you know yeah being grateful that you're able to to heal diseases you you can make friends along the way it's a mm. community isn't it it's amazing that's how we're going to survive that's how, not survive that's how we're going to thrive mm. is by building these communities and and by yeah and also by demystifying homeopathy a little bit yes absolutely. and uh I, you know one one thing that i've i'm a bit of a slow learner so i like to i go out of my way to try and explain things in a way that that people can understand from from all sorts of backgrounds um and yeah a lot of a lot of actually i i took a lot from rudolf steiner's work and as we know anthroposophic medicine used a lot of homeopathic principles and and you know potentization and so on and so forth and and also alchemy by the way Steiner himself he was definitely an alchemist he knew a lot of that um and um yeah and some of the 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 ways to describe the etheric body and how it works you know expands on on how Hahnemann described the vital force and and I even go into the 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 other bodies the astral body the emotions and the spirit and so on and so forth which also corresponds directly cuz Steiner took a lot of his work from the Vedas, uh, sacred texts from India which which are also here and uh yeah that explanation <clears throat> makes a lot of sense to Indonesians. Now uh Jock apart from your yeah you are for no fault of your own uh, a celebrity as well in Indonesia, Malaysia and Singapore I hear because of your TV show which was or, or TV program rather or series on called yes. Nature Life so uh, yes. Is that something that you're going to be doing more of or was that like a a, a one-off series? Well, it it was it, it ran a, a season. We did um we did 36 episodes. It was quite an extensive um piece of work there for a, a filmed over a bit over a year. Um the you know, it was on network TV. It was it was sort of a primetime Saturday 9 a.m. show for for you know parents at home predominantly and um yeah after that I I did a few sort of mini documentaries for some herbal medicine companies um ironically you asked me that question today I've just actually come down from the volcano Batur filming a documentary up there Well, I'm having a documentary filmed about me by um by um uh two Hungarian filmmakers uh uh Ondras and Esther um who have just finished a series of documentaries on on Gabor Mate. I don't know if you know of Dr. Gabor Mate. No. no. Um the you know he works on a lot of uh, trauma healing and things like that and and he actually asked me that question he said don't you want to start filming again don't you want to do something and i sat down and i thought you know what i wouldn't mind it actually to be honest it was a lot of fun it was 
we went on some crazy adventures. You know, I jumped off 15-meter waterfalls and I went paragliding <laughs> while making, you know, Apis Malefica in a village in Java or like getting some sepia out of the sea in Lombok and making the, I actually potentized it on the beach on, in Lombok. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in that, mm. but um, it's not out of the question. But at the moment, you know, my focus is really on education. And you know, just to, to finish up on your last question, I, I don't think, you know, I didn't talk about the retreats that I've been running, which are, um, which are basically nature immersion retreats based on the elements, where we also look at, um, you know, I've studied breathing methods like buteko and pranayama so i put together a, a method of uh of uh, uh i don't like to call it breath work because it gets thrown around so much but it's um corrective breathing techniques basically um it's very effective for things like asthma and uh, all sorts of you know even sinusitis rhinitis mm. but also the nervous system you know the vagus nerve and the importance of that and realizing that yes we can give medicines here and there we can we can get all fancy with that but if we're not breathing properly it's really the foundation of life it's the, the thread that attaches us to you know the soul and the spirit to the body um so i i've been running those you know where we you know we get into nature we look at the, the element of fire on one day the element of water on the next the element of earth air and finally ether you know, the last question I have for mm. you, and um, this is by no means the last question per se. What I mean is I do certainly hope that you will come back later this year and we can talk a bit more about this amazing work that you're doing. But I mm. wanted to end with something lighthearted, or maybe it's not. I don't know. It depends. But okay. as a tea lover and you uh, being a tea master, uh -huh. tell me, what is the best tea? <laughs> What is the best tea? Oh, that's a hard one. Well, you can see I'm here with my with my teapot. Yes, I see that. I'm drinking. I'm drinking a, a herbal blend that I, you know, that I, I, I grow myself up here in the Highlands. Um, this is a Jupiter tea, so very good for the liver and the gallbladder. Mm, the best tea in the world is the mm. tea that I grow myself in Bali. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna yeah. un unashamedly say that so i i i went from uh you know buying tea from all over the world to, to saying actually you know what i want to do i want to grow tea myself in bali and nobody had done it before so my brother and i actually i i give full credit actually to my brother he found the land he sent me a photograph by phone when i was still living in australia he said do you think you can grow tea on this and i'm like yeah and he, he goes oh good because uh, a, a guy <laughs> had lost all his money gambling and was desperate to sell this piece of land oh. in the islands on, on a lake. And so we ended up getting tea plants from Java. Tea, tea grows very well in, in Indonesia. It's, Indonesia was one of the first countries outside of China and Japan to grow tea. Even oh, before, right. before India, the, the Dutch beat the English. So the Dutch smuggled tea here. Um, and so we have very old tea plantations in Java and we ended up sending a hundred tea plants over here and we planted them up, up at about 1,200 meters above sea level. And so, yeah, we, we have a little tea garden up there, about half a hectare and we hand roll it 
hand process it, fire it on wood, and that's the best tea for me in the world. Yeah. You must send me some pictures. We and make I'll, it ourselves. <laughs> send me some pictures. Better than what you make yourself. I, I'll yeah. uh, share them on socials. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, if I if I get well, you might get over here. Or I might get to England. It's it's on the cards for me. Good. So I'll bring you a I'll bring you a, a pack. Okay. Of I look my forward tea. to that. Very. We much. call it Nagaloka. The Nagaloka. Okay. Yeah. I look forward to that very much. Um. Jock, it's been an absolute pleasure, honour to have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, and please do uh, do keep in mind that I will uh, will uh, be asking you back um, later this year. Well, look, the honour and the privilege is all mine, and you, you're too kind. Yeah, I I I really I really do um, appreciate uh, your kind words and your encouragement and what you're doing with with putting this information out to to many people both homeopaths and and otherwise so yeah it's really important for maintaining the community and and i think that's um that's crucial to to how to what we need you know more than now more than ever people need this don't they yes now more than ever yes. yeah absolutely and i found that uh, this podcast this show on uh, uk health really mm. is becoming the voice of homeopathy, you know, on radio and podcast. Wow. And uh, Amazing. it's just Amazing. very humbling, very humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I take my hat off to you. Thank you for, thank you for, for taking the time and, and for doing the good work. Yeah. Thank you. And that was part one of this two part special homeopathy health show, focusing on the Tirta Usada clinic and their work and efforts in healing and all things homeopathy. Next week, for part two, I'll be speaking to Yagoda Saluska, who is not only a homeopath, but also an author of some e-books and a student of the Transformational Alchemy Practitioners course. And she'll be sharing her experiences, her journey to homeopathy, which actually started in the UK and uh, found itself all the way in Bali. So do stay tuned for the next episode, which is next week. And if you follow my socials, Instagram is like underscore treats like. If you follow that, you'll have all the latest trailers which accompany each episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Until next week, stay safe. I do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials. Remember, the more exposure the podcast receives, the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.